Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of SpinCast. Today, we're diving back into the corner of casting in the esports world, and joining us today is Brody Leafex Moore, um, who is a caster in the RLCS, the professional scene of Rocket League. So without further ado, um, Brody Leafex, go ahead, introduce yourself. Tell us where your passion started um, with gaming and how that led you to um, your current position as a caster in RLCS. Oh, goodness. Where to start? First off, thanks for uh, having me on. Uh, this is great. Uh, I like talking, hence being a caster. Uh, so this is this is a perfect environment for me. Uh, yeah, where do I start? Uh, this is, it goes way back. I mean, like, you know, I was a gamer growing up, like uh, like all of us, assumably, uh, were. Um, and then I really got into competitive, I guess I'll start there. I got into competitive mentality around uh, Call of Duty Black Ops 1, I think, maybe a bit before that. I started playing on game battles all the time, me and my buddy. But back then, internet was just not good where I lived. So it was it was tough. Sometimes we'd have a match ready, and then I couldn't connect to it. Um, so it was frustrating for sure. But I always had that competitive drive to, like, just be the best. You know, that was it was always there. So I always enjoyed the competitive side of things. Uh, me and my brother would, before we knew what speedrunning was, would, like, try to glitch games and get through them as fast as possible back in, like, Resistance Fallen Man. So... All of that was always the, an underlying foundation of who I was. And then um, I, I worked in the restaurant, the hospitality industry for a while. And um, when I was managing one of the restaurants, I decided to, um, well, a, a guy came to me during the NHL lockdown, actually. And he said, hey, I was in the States and they were just running uh, NHL, the game, Chell, um, on a screen. And people were watching it as if that was real hockey because... There was no other hockey on, right, during the lockout. So they were just watching it in the bar. And he, he's like, hey, it'd be cool if we had you know, video games in the restaurant environment. And I'm like, yeah, that's a good idea. We have some banquet rooms. Let's see what we can do. So at the beginning, I just had some friends uh, come along. We would uh, just play games. And I'm like, you know, I have like 15, 20 people show up. But it was just casual hanging out. I'm like, I, I really want to make this like, I want more people to join. Like, I want people that I don't know to start joining this. So I'm like, let's, let's run a tournament. Um, so I ran a tournament. The prizes were simple. Gift certificate to a game shop down the street or to the restaurant for your tab. Um, so I'm like, I, I want more people. What do people want? They're going to want money. They're going to want money as a prize pool. So I ran, I picked a game. I'm like, what game do I like growing up? Smash brothers melee. Love that game. So I, I got together some game cubes, uh, from that game shop. Uh, they helped, uh, sponsor all these events to run these events. And, um, I, uh, put up a hundred dollars for first place. Not a lot compared to today's esports <laughs> prize pools. Uh, but I threw up a hundred bucks. This was about 2012, I'd say. Um, and uh, I was uh, blown away because people came from all over Ontario. I live uh, in Kitchener is where I ran it. People came tr from Toronto, from Windsor, all over the place. And uh, like driving hours for $100 prize pool. And I had three GameCubes, 70, uh, 73 people signed up. I was running the bracket on paper. And uh, it was jank. It was super jank. It was not proper. Um, but what was really cool is after the event, um, some of the community sat down with me and said, hey, just so you know, this is the way we usually run things. I had no idea there was a competitive smash scene at that point. And it blew my mind that a community like this could exist without me knowing about it. And that instantly made me fall in love with esports at that point. Because uh, before it was just game battles, doing it on my own time. It was me just playing video games with my friends. Now I had a community to be a part of. And that was cool. And the fact they actually sat down and were nice about it. They didn't yell at me for running a bad tournament. And I started running tournaments over the next three years to the point where I ended up running an event uh, where top professionals like Mewtwo, King, and SFAT started flying out to my events. And to me, I'm like, this is so cool. So I was just running events for the longest time. 
but I was also doing YouTube it for fun on the side. And I'm like, I, I really want to cast, but I don't think I know Smash Brothers well enough. And to me, it was very important to to make sure the thing I was doing, I enjoyed. I didn't want to just get into casting a, a thing that I didn't feel like I, I was I was allowed to do, I guess. Like, I didn't feel like I knew enough. Um, so then, thankfully, in 2015, uh, July 7th, um, happy birthday, Rocket League just happened. Uh, Rocket League came out. And uh, instantly fell in love with it. As a Canadian, I played a lot of hockey, and the game really resonated with me. The rotations were very hockey-like. So after that point, I instantly jumped on you and said, you know what? I can help people here. I think this is my chance to to get into making YouTube videos for Rocket League, to cast it. And I just did it. I just jumped into it. I started doing it for fun. Uh, it was every Tuesday night. There was a... Uh, a draft tournament that, that always happened. I always casted for about eight hours just for fun. And I did that for about five, six, maybe it was seven months, five to seven months. Um, and that's also when I met um, uh, one of my best friends, Lawler, who ended up casting with me during the RLCS. So that's kind of the journey. And then obviously RLCS is kind of history from there. I got picked up for that. And it was, uh, it was just being a sense of having that sense of community is what really kicked off me wanting to be a part of esports. Yeah. Absolutely. I would love to see those communities come to fruition too, especially like, you know, in person or online, either or. It's always fantastic to see, you know, it become more than just setting on and playing some games, right? There's a competition mm -hmm. involved, there's that sense of community, that sense of belonging, right? That so many gamers, I think, miss out on um, yep. because it's just those communities, they're, they're growing really rapidly now, um, but in the past, they haven't been near as big as what they are today. So I love to see that growth and that continuation of the growth as well. Um, so kind of my next question, a lot of the viewers, you know, they're really in love with the pro scene, right? And the pro scene behind the scenes of the production and the casting and everything is, you know, there's some content out there that kind of goes through it, but not too much. So take us through that day-to-day -day experience of casting in the RLCS, what all that involves, what, you know, the prep work leading up into it, uh, what that casting feels like, looks like, um, and then the wrap-up as well. So like what that day looks like um, when you're casting for RLCS. So uh, if we're going to start with the preps that everyone's, every caster has their own things that they need to do. And that's the cool thing about this is it's not a nine to five job of uh, this is the task you need to complete, do this. Um, you're coming in with your own skill sets. They hire you because they want you and they want your skill set. So every caster and, and uh, analyst and host all have their own different preps. Some need more, some need less, some do different things for preps. So for me throughout the week, it's just making sure I'm caught up to, um, uh, so I'm on a lot of pre-shows. So I'm always dealing with uh, the production behind the scenes. Okay. You know, this is, this is the pre-show. I think this needs to move uh, over here because I know the flow of conversation will go here. We're going to talk about these things this week. So that's a lot of the prep for me as a host now. Um, as a caster, a lot of your prep work is re-watching matches. You'll sit throughout the rest of the week re-watching matches, writing down things you've noticed. Why did this team lose? Let's really try to pinpoint. You might watch that same game in a series five times over to find out what it was. You'll be looking at numbers. Um, so there's a lot, uh, and that's why a lot of casters will have their own little notebooks you see carrying around uh, with them because there's a lot of notes to, and you might not even use all those notes, but at least you have that information prepared, um, and it makes you um, be able to look at the, the next games coming up a lot better and with a better eye because you can look out for those things that were problems and see if they've been fixed and now you have a story to tell um when it comes to the um the show days for me it's different i so i fly i fly a lot of places because i live in canada and our, our studio for the rlcs specifically is in burbank california so i fly every friday i get there work saturday sunday fly back monday i'm home three days of the week and 
repeat the process. So when we're there, um, usually the Friday night, we get in, all the casters hang out. <clears throat> we're all really good friends. Again, that community thing, I'm really glad um, our our casting core is, is very like, we all on the same page. And it's really cool to be able to hang out with those people because it doesn't make it seem, again, like it's work. It feels very much like I'm going to talk about this video game um, and have fun with it. So we sit down and then sometimes we'll talk about teams. We'll talk about notes, just kind of, kind of casually see what the stories are. We'll look over again, the pre-show. And then when it comes to the actual day uh, of the show, their long days were, we're up early, you know, if a, if a show starts, pre-show starts at 1130, we're at the studio um, probably around like, depends on, on the production company, how early they like they're anywhere between eight to nine in the morning. Um, and then, uh, we're there, we're getting makeup, uh, we get dressed, um, we sit with each other. Sometimes we'll, uh, we'll just converse about the matches today. We'll look over our notes. Um, or sometimes we'll just watch random YouTube videos to just get ourselves in a good, uh, a good mood. But yeah. So basically we're there for, for makeup. We're there for, um, getting dressed. Then we get onto the set, um, about an hour before to test audio. We work with the production team and say, okay, is there anything new today that we have special that we need to run over? Sometimes if there's um, you know, a special segment like the the get it moments that'll be rehearsed and run out beforehand so that the person knows what they're talking about. So all the talents going on there and doing fake casts or we'll run through one of the segments quickly. So we're basically doing the show before we're doing the show. Um, and then we take a, another a little bit, eat some food, get some breakfast, and then we hop onto the show. And then the show you can see because it's all uh, broadcast. And then after that, we end up... Um, uh, we have a lot of times a, a what you call a postmort, uh, just a postmortem, um, just <laughs> kind of a, a, a joke at you know the show. Finally, it's dead, and uh, we uh, we sit down and we say, okay, today this was great, this was bad. Let's make sure this is fixed for tomorrow's show. Um, and we uh, sometimes you'll do it with production, sometimes production and talent will have separate ones. Um, but basically, the idea is you want to say, okay, well, how do we make tomorrow's show even better? Um, and then once that's done, go take your makeup off, your suits off head back to the hotel, hang out, and prepare for tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think my video just cut out. We'll fix that later. Um, but <laughs> I was I would love to see um, that methodology of what goes in behind the scenes, right? Which I think it's just really overlooked how complex it is, right? Having all these mm -hmm. moving parts on the exact same page um, continuously throughout the entire day to have that professional broadcast, right? Um, so I always love to point that out and kind of give the viewers that um, real life experience from your perspective, yeah. especially in something as big as RLCS, right? I'm um, kind of moving to my next question is, you know, you do work with Squad State, right, as a host and a producer for that TV show, you know, very esports and gaming centric. Mm -hmm. Talk to us about what you do in particular with that and the similarities and differences between, you know, casting for a game, a or the RLCS, um, and also being a host and a producer for a TV show. Oh, the, the, this, for me, it's the coolest thing because the, the differences are, are night and day between doing a live broadcast and doing a, a show that can be stopped mid segment and restarted because it's not live. It's edited and put together later, right? It's packaged. Um, it's so much different because, uh, you have the, the leniency of say, you know, you come in on, on the TV show uh, at the beginning, uh, and sometimes you're you're not even filming in order. You're sometimes you film the end of the show first, so you have to prepare. Okay, what are we going to talk about today? Like what what are we going to reference today? Sometimes we'll film the third segment out of six segments. Then we'll go to the first one. Then we'll go to the end. 
okay, now we have two segments. I can reference some things that happen there, but not segment two, four, and five, because we haven't filmed those yet. So keeping your mind on what you've already filmed is, is way to, uh, it, it's a much different approach because you're, you're having to understand what today is about. Whereas with live broadcasting, you go into it and the day unfolds, you know, what's happening as it's happening. Um, but with a live show, if you mess up, say you, you, you know, you, uh, fumble over your words or something, you have to run through that. There's, there's no editing that there's no fixing that. If uh, a TV falls over behind you or, a camera does something goes to the wrong cut. You got to deal with that. Whereas in um, a prepackaged show, like a TV show, a lot of that um, can be fixed and edited afterwards to make it look a lot more perfect than it actually is. But that is the biggest hard, uh, hard part is, is being like, okay, uh, I have to remember what my energy was when I filmed segment three to make sure I end segment two with that same energy. Otherwise it's going to look very disjointed. Um, so, uh, a lot, there's been times actually where a mistake happens and we've gotten through seven minutes of a segment. There's only a minute left and something really big happens that we can't fix. So what we have to do is we have to freeze position. We hold our positions until the production and back can figure out an exact edit point they can find to match where they can do a camera jump and make it look as if nothing happened. And we, we were just, so we're sitting there matching our poses and our energy and our levels to to make sure and we're sitting there for like maybe two three minutes trying to hold this pose being like okay and go and now we can finish the segment because we don't want to redo seven minutes right it's uh, it's live to tapes we're filming as if it's live but we can edit those things so there are new challenges when it comes to a show like that and and the work there's there's a lot more work behind the scenes um when it comes to producing we have a whole team of producers making segments i do some here and there i'm not the best producer i'm i hate paperwork i hate writing stuff um, I'm more of an on-the-fly live kind of guy. Um, so uh, I'm glad that there's a lot of producers that can help bring that content out. And then I give my own personality and flavor to it as it goes. But yeah, there are very different beasts um, when, when you're approaching them. You can't approach them the same way. Yeah, absolutely. That just sounds super exciting to have both those perspectives and abilities to do both, right? The live and the recorded, but also the different yeah. kinds of work, right? Because um, so I would love to point out how a lot of skills and jobs and opportunity in esports are so parallel to very close industries, right? Like broadcasting and media is so super close to casting and producing for esports events. Basically mm -hmm. the same thing, just a different for format, different media. So I'd love mm -hmm. to point that out because you can take the skills you gain casting, um, whether you're in high school or college or professional, and then apply that to you know massive media networks or grow the network you're part of yeah. um, in esports to that level as well. I I think the, the coolest thing um, was like, again, I didn't realize, and I think obviously uh, as a result, a lot of other people don't realize uh, how much goes into a, a show, into a production. And to me, it was so cool to see all of the different skills I could get, even something as simple as reading a teleprompter. To me, that wasn't hard, but other people do have difficulties with reading a teleprompter. Now you can take that one step further and say, okay, I can read that teleprompter. Sure. But it doesn't look unnatural. How now can I interact with the person beside me looking from the prompter to that person as if these are my words? I'm not reading off a prompter anymore. This is this is me. How do I fake that to say, like, I'm coming up with this all on the spot to make it seem more natural? Then on top of that, there's body language. How do I present my body? So I'm thinking about how my body looks on camera. So I'm watching a monitor. I'm also looking at the prompter to make sure I'm saying the right things. And I'm trying to involve that person, the co-host or a guest that's on with me 
to make sure that all of that seems seamless. And these are skills I, I had to learn over time. Some were more natural than others, and some I'm still working on. But there are so many things to work on personally. And this is why, yeah, it is cool to be able to work on these different shows because they all present different skills I can learn. And all these things I didn't even realize were things I would have had to work on. Yeah, absolutely. And I can only imagine that the, all those skills are just intertwined. You, you know, improve your skills for both, mm -hmm. you know, the live casting and then the recorded show as well. I'm sure they all go hand in hand and make everything you're part of that mm -hmm. much better. I absolutely love to see everything just kind of intermingle in that way. Um, kind of explaining a little bit more, um, maybe some more um, basic advice or tips for those younger, you know, students out there, whether high school or collegiately, that are like, hey, I really love casting. I've loved the experiences that they've had um, being able to but how do they improve? What, in what opinion are like the best ways to start off your career in casting and take those first initial steps um, to really begin to hone your craft um, for that end goal of you know casting professionally or being on like you know a massive production scale, whether that's you know media or TV or sports or esports or anything like that. Mm -hmm. I think there are, I think there are a few steps you could take. There's no like I think true path to getting there. I mean. Um, I've seen people make it by going through radio broadcast in, in school, just nothing to do with esports, just going through radio broadcast, eventually transitioning some of those skills into esports. I've seen people um, go the professional where they're a pro and then jump to, you know, to doing that. Um, there's what I did where I just did it for fun. And then it, I had good networking skills. So I talked to the right people. They remembered me when they needed someone and then I got brought on. Um, so there, there are a few things you can do. So I'll, I'll just go over what, what I did, I guess. Um, I would say the biggest thing, first off, just a, a disclaimer and a pre-warn to everyone that the esports industry is a dream for so many people, not just you, not just me for so many people. Um, and it's going to be competitive. It's going to be hard to get into it. And I think the biggest mentality you need to have coming into this is to not expect anything out of it. Um, if you expect something out of it, you're setting a potential failure for yourself and you're going to potentially let yourself down if that specific thing doesn't come true for you. So what you need to do is approach this to have fun and do it because you really like doing it. Don't grind through something you don't want to do just to work in esports because you're going to have to keep doing that. So if you already didn't like it, you're not going to like it again. And you might not even get there uh, in that specific part in the industry. So um, what do you, why, are you, why are you doing this? Make sure you're doing it for fun. Make sure you're doing it because you absolutely love it. I had no expectation of working in esports when I was doing it at, at all. Um, and even more so now than ever, it's, it's very competitive. So keep that in mind and make sure you're having fun with what you're doing. And if you are, awesome. Keep at it um, and always just assume there's uh, someone doing your job better than you. That's what I did, at least. I always looked at myself as the the underdog, someone that was, and I still do, someone that is not the best. And I would try to go to other, uh, I would watch other casters, other hosts, other analysts, and I would look at what they did. And I looked at the things I really enjoyed and said, how do I implement into that, into my repertoire? I would try those things. And maybe those things aren't for me. So then I would just do my own things. You know, sometimes doing specific types of casting doesn't fit with your voice. And that's the reality of it. Some people's voices are different and you can take vocal training, which is another um, uh, potential uh, outlet to work on your stuff. Uh, personally, I studied Chris Puckett growing up and I had studied all his inflections, everything he did when he said certain words, when, the way he said those words. And I studied that and took that to heart. 
put it in my brain, locked it in. And I, I mimicked his style for a while until I fell into my own. But I also noticed there are other things other casters do I can't do. I'm not going to try to do those things. I mean, I'll try it at the beginning and realize I can't do it, but I'm not going to keep trying if I know that's not my thing because it's just going to be awkward. So make sure you find what works really well for you. Copy other uh, other people in the industry. That's great. And then eventually work it into your own style, meld it into something that is now you. Um, and people go and say, hey, I like this guy because he does this thing. Even if it's a conglomeration and just a mess of other things you learn from other people. Um, I think it's very important to always continue to look at yourself as someone that's not the best. Because if you suddenly think you're the best, there's nothing else to work for. You get complacent and other people that are hungry for these positions are going to start to rise above you. So those are big things to keep in mind. Um, with all those things in mind, I really think networking is a very important thing. Um, making sure you're a part of a community. I mentioned that before communities are very important. Make sure you provide value to those communities. What are you doing to make sure you're not just a dude showing up to the events? What are you doing to make sure, even if it's just helping putting chairs away at the end of the day, setting up consoles at a, at a live event, um, helping people out with, with a skill that they need help on, be value to that community and that community, whenever they find a job that's like, hey, we need someone for this. Oh, well, there's Brody over there. He, uh, I remember he was doing this the other day. Give him a shot. That's networking. Now you're part of a community that's going to recommend you to do these things. You're going to be in the front of their mind. Make sure that you provide value to your community. And that's going to be put you so far ahead of so many other people um, uh, to be able to succeed at this. And just keep working on yourself. Those are some of the biggest things. I could just say, just get out there and do it, which is also important, and and keep trying. But I think there, there are so many of those skills that a lot of people don't realize are a part of making sure that success can come to you. Um, that I'd figured I'd mention. Yeah, absolutely. I love every point you just made. I can't really agree with more. I think one that really stuck out to me is being part of that community, right? I think so many people just go and cast, right? And they do their job, right? And then they leave, they go home, they go somewhere else or do something else they want to do. But it's like the real icons of casting, especially in esports, the entire game community, right? Because most of it's still game centric. Um, knows them, right? Like, I'm a big Rainbow Six Siege guy, right? And Tarot and Kickstar, I know yeah. them because they're so interactive with the community, right? And Stokes and Blue are coming to the scene now, more recently, and they're so interactive that, like, they're on Twitter, they're on social media, at live events, they go into the crowd and they talk to everybody, mm -hmm. and it's like, wow, this is a real person that really enjoys being part of the community, and I think that just goes to grow that your own personal brand and the awareness surrounding your skills so much more, which leads to that career success. Yeah. I, uh, and Tarot's amazing. Cause even at DreamHack one time, he came over to the Rocket League, uh, thing that was happening when the peeps won that. And, um, he came over and he was, uh, he started cheering cause he's, he knew enough even about Rocket League. He's like, I know that this shouldn't be happening right now. These guys should not be winning. And he was popping off and cheering everything over the Rocket League booth once the Rainbow Six event ended. Um, yeah, no, and Tarot's, Tarot's a great guy, but it reminds me too of the first season of, uh, RLCS. Lawler and I, uh, we wanted to just experience it as fans cause we loved, what was happening we went out and we, we grabbed two seats in the audience in our suits and sat there and cheered um until the end when we realized we had to get up on stage at some point but um yeah we went out there because we wanted to experience that as well too so that's the thing is it's not we're not doing that because oh it'll look good we're doing that because that we're still just fans of, of this thing we love what we're doing and that's why i said you need to make sure the thing you're doing is something you actually enjoy not because you just see it as an opportunity for a career sure it could be a career but the first step should be doing it because you heck and love it yeah absolutely i think right there like something that i always say is 
never ever give up pursuing your passion, right? Always take your passion and then figure out how to make that success, right? If you wake mm -hmm. up every day loving what you do and, you know, trying to like, getting to work early is never an issue because you want to be there early, right? There, that mm -hmm. whole idea just doesn't exist. And that I think just goes hand in hand with being, you know, really successful personally and in that career space as well. Um, if you just look forward to it in that manner and have that passion and dedication and ambition, it's so great to see that. Um, unfortunately, we are running out of time. Absolutely great discussion, a number of different points surrounding the esports scene, especially in the production and broadcasting and casting sections of that industry, uh, of this industry. So one last question I'll leave you with um, before we do have to sign off is all the experience you have. You know, you've been in RLCS, um, you've done a ton of casting work, um, done a production, ton of production work um, with the TV show as well. Um, what are the what are the biggest holds or things that need to change or improvements that you want to see happen specifically with the esports industry to bring it where it is now as like the next big thing to becoming like a mainstream massive competition where the entire globe takes part of it, kind of like world soccer? That's such a hard question to answer because I feel like people are still trying to figure that out, in all honesty. <laughs> um, I feel this is why we see so many different types of of events you you have circuit systems you have league systems you have mixes of those systems um and then you know you you look at like everyone's like oh maybe overwatch has it right first off i think overwatch is terrible to watch so it's right right method wrong game um but it it you know there's so many people and companies trying different things that it's not quite figured out yet and i think it actually is going to depend on the game i mean rocket league just moved to a circuit-based system because we believe that rocket league excels in a live environment and this allows for a lot more live events um once we're able to um whereas some other games like league of legends i think are doing just fine with their league play, uh, league based systems um so i i think it is going to depend on on those things but i i think the biggest step right now and it's already happening is uh basically um desensitizing the the um the non-gamer audience the rest of the world that isn't involved with with this industry um or these interests desensitizing them it's going to take time we're you know have to show stuff on uh on their tvs on radio you need to start mixing all of this content into the stuff they already consume at first they might hate it you're going to be people like why is why is esports on ESPN? Why is this on my TV right now? All these nerds. Eventually, they're going to have to deal with it. And eventually, they're going to become desensitized to it and realize this is a form of entertainment. And they may even latch on. Um, but we're, there's going to be have to be concentrated efforts to just start putting that con uh, content into the mainstream. And it is already happening. Um, a lot of major networks are already starting to do this. Um, it really helped, uh, I, I think, you know, especially the fact that gaming sur survives when people stay inside so right now it's excelling um uh unfortunately you know all the this stuff is happening but gaming is excelling as a result of it and it is starting to be put in the mainstream because normal sports aren't happening so this will be the first step it's going to take years to desensitize but i think this is that's the step you need is to get people used to this happening the next generation is coming this is entertainment for the future generations you either get with it or get left out yeah, absolutely. Um, kind of like, to me, the signifying point of when that happens is when you walk into a sports bar and half the TVs are Rocket League, League of Legends, Rainbow Six yeah. Siege, CS, another half are shown football, soccer, and you have everyone kind of cheering for their favorite parts, right? Yeah. It's like you walk in, like, down here where I live. I live in Charlotte. 
in North Carolina, and there's a big sports called the sports bar called Hickory Tavern, and they have like 50 TVs, right? And you walk in, and you have your crowd of baseball folks, your soccer folks, your football folks, um, and all of that. And I'd love to see the same thing with yeah. esports. We can walk in, have a drink with your friends, and watch what you love in that, um, you know, the live setting at a bar. I think the thing is, like, I don't, I don't care if you don't like it. I don't, I don't care if you don't want to. You are allowed to like the things that you like and don't like the ones you don't like. It's just stop hating on it. I don't care when I'm in a restaurant and there's football on, hockey on, soccer, whatever. I don't care if you're watching and enjoying that. I'm not, but I don't care. It needs to be the same way around. You can be in there watching what you want. And then, uh, you know, I could be watching some esports, but don't get mad about it. Just be like, okay, cool. That's entertainment. That's what they're into. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, even within traditional sports or even esports, right? There are some games like League of Legends. I'm just not into that game. You know, I like watching yeah. it sometimes, but I have no idea what happens when, you know, the big pushes start to happen. <laughs> but Rainbow Six Siege is my it's my bread and butter. I love watching it. And it's a no lot, idea. you know, it's vice versa for a lot of people. So um, I can't wait to see that happen. But unfortunately, we are out of time, uh, out of time and overtime. But absolutely great discussion um, with you, Brody, um, aka mm -hmm. Leaf X. Real quick, go ahead, plug yourself. Tell us where the um, tell the viewers where we can find you. If they want to keep up with your work, um, or just reach out, say in touch or anything. Yeah, sorry if you weren't able to go to your question. I told you I talk a lot. That's why I'm in casting. <laughs> um, yeah, if anybody wants to reach out and see uh, any uh, of my content and stuff, obviously you can twitch.tv slash rlcs. That'll be uh, rlcsx will be starting soon. Uh, I'll be on that. But if you want my personal stuff, anywhere you search LeafX, L-I-E-F-X, um, it's on Twitter, my Twitch, I stream all the time, um, Instagram, ev literally everything. Just search LeafX and you'll find my stuff if you really want to keep uh, keep up with my stuff. And I'm looking forward to, um, to anybody that does come and enjoy my content. Absolutely. I always say, especially for people like you who are so exposed to the industry and want to see the industry continuously grow, just like we were talking about. Um, everyone just reach out, you know, go to Twitch chat, type in the chat. You know, we're all so happy to interact in any way we can to grow the industry that we love in whatever way we can. So everyone out there, thanks for staying the entire time. Great discussion um, with you, Brody. So can't wait to see all of these ideas come to fruition over the next few years. Hopefully all of them do. Um, to everyone out there, stay healthy and stay happy during the current pandemic. Make sure you're taking care of yourself and your loved ones. Be safe out there. And ultimately, stay plugged in.